Hello, and welcome to the morning break on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Liverpool, this is the morning break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody, and happy half term to those people who are on week two. We hate you. To those people who are on week one, congratulations for getting through that half term. This morning on the show, we're talking all about teaching assistants, getting the best out of your teaching assistant, how to manage your teaching assistant, and all things in between. Special guest, Nancy Gay. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash ttradio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag ttradio. Good morning, everybody. I hope you are well this morning. It is a pleasure to be here once again on a slightly weird time for me, which is 9 a.m. on a Tuesday for the first time ever. Usually I'm on at 9 a.m. on a Thursday. So slightly different this week, but hey-ho. Um, thank you so much to everybody who has tuned into Teachers Talk Radio in the last half term. Uh, we've had a massively enjoyable time. Every single host, one and all, has has loved it. So thank you very much for engaging with Teachers Talk Radio, either live or as a podcast. At the moment, on the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter account, which is at TT Radio 2021, we've got a competition running. You've got four books up for grabs. They are really cool. If you want to see what they are, visit the Twitter account, look at the pinned tweet, and if you want to enter the competition to win all four, then all you need to do is click retweet and follow us. And if you do those two things, you are in with a chance of winning the four books and the competition will close on Saturday. Now, in terms of the show today, the main topic that I want to discuss is working with your teaching assistant and getting the best out of working with your teaching assistant. Hopefully, I'm going to be joined by Nancy shortly, who will call in um, and hopefully share her expertise on this topic. Uh, but also, we're going to look at uh, some reports as well from the Education Endowment Foundation and other reports that have been that have been released and written about how it is that teachers can can maximise uh, the impact that their teaching assistant or assistants, because in secondary school there might be multiple can have. Now, in case you're listening and maybe you're at the start of your career or you are considering going into teaching, uh, perhaps at this point, you might not know what a teaching assistant is. Okay, so we'll also run through that. Um, Nancy, good morning. How are you today? Morning. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm a bit half-termy. Um, uh, hopefully I've worked out how to do this okay. Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you loud and clear. Um, okay. Is 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 being half termy good or bad? I, I think that's a good thing, isn't it? Uh, well, it would be all right if I felt a bit better. I've had, I've got your your typical teacher's disease of not feeling very well towards the end of the term. So it's come at the right time for me after. Well, that's yes. <laughs> I think the problem is, is that you get one or two things. You get ill through the whole of the. Uh, the term or you or you avoid getting ill for the half term and then you just like just totally shut down when you get to half term and the half term's a write-off 
Yeah. Uh, they're the two things that usually happen. Yeah. Anyways, um, before we, we kind of get into the, um, the, the, the proper content here about teaching assistants and working with them, do you want to just introduce yourself to listeners in terms of your uh, current role and, and background just briefly? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, my name is Nancy Gedge and I, I guess I started out um, as a teacher in 1994. Um, so I feel very old. Um, <laughs> I started out as a primary school teacher um, and I taught for some years before having my own children, at which point I had quite a lengthy break. And then I came back to primary school teaching part time um, in um I guess anybody who's worked part-time after having children, if you didn't go on your own maternity leave and come back part-time, you are sort of, you're doomed to to temporary contracts, which I did for quite a long time before um, landing a role in a primary school um, as an SEN teacher, um, which has then sort of led me on really to specialise, specialising more and more in special needs Um I started writing my own blog, which um, is a sort of educational journey with me and my son um, who has Down syndrome and my other two children who, who are typical, um, which brought me to the notice um, of TES, which was lovely. I, they gave me an award and a, and a column. I worked for a couple of years with the Driver Youth Trust, um, which coincided with the move house. And now I am one of those people who have... Um, completely changed my um, age range. I'm now working in a secondary school, which um, was very much like being a fish out of water, as I realised, I knew it anyway, anyway, but you know, you don't really know until you've, until you've done it quite how different a secondary school is to a primary school. Um, it's a completely different, different workplace. It's a completely different setting, but I'm still working in special needs and that I now head up... Um, quite a big resource base in a secondary school. So my resource base is one of the larger ones, I guess you'd you'd come across the 24 places and we specialise in supporting young people with a physical disability or a communication and interaction need. Sometimes they they go together, um, and sometimes they, they're different. Often the communication interaction is often around autism. So so it's quite it's quite broad um, what I'm doing. And I am, um, well, well, I suppose with the teaching assistants, you know, as a primary school teacher, I've worked with a lot of teaching assistants, but now I line manage um, in total, I suppose, about 20, maybe maybe a little bit more wow. um, teaching assistants in a, in a secondary school. So uh, with that with that in mind, uh, for those people who, and this was just before you came on, actually, I was, yeah. I was saying this, um, for those people who maybe are considering going into teaching or aren't familiar with the inner workings of the UK education system, what, what is a teaching assistant? I mean, what, what, what is that? Um, well, the te- well, I don't know. I suppose it's, it's teaching assistant is a very different role depending on what kind of setting you're in. Um, so when I started out in the early 90s, you'd only really found teaching assistants in the reception class or in nursery. And then um, there would be more of a classroom assistant, somebody who's helping out with the practicalities of, of what's happening in the classroom. So helping you out with the displays, helping you out with labelling your books. Mm. Um, now, teaching assistant is much more to do with working with the children. So in a primary school, you 
be having you'd be having a small group you'd be running an intervention so you'd be if you know effectively helping out teaching children to read or develop their number skills very often teaching assistant is is likely to be working with children who have difficulties and um, in a secondary school you're you know secondary school mod uh, you've discovered it's very different you know you don't have a, a teaching assistant necessarily who goes around with the class you've got teaching assistants who are departmental teaching assistants so you know you get to know the science really well or the maths really well or the english really well then you've got teaching assistants who work particularly in behavior support as well so we have a whole raft of teaching assistants who work in that area in my school that i don't like management but they they work you know with mental health or behavior and things like that so so it's it's very much i tend to think of the teaching assistant role as very much more up close and personal than the teacher role there's it's less authoritative role it's more it's less of a distance from the young people and you're dealing i guess with with fewer numbers of them and in a slight in a different in a different role you know your role is there to assist assist the teacher with with the teaching and, and make sure things can happen that need to happen in the classroom if that makes sense absolutely it does um i, I the reason i picked this topic really today is because i i don't feel that in my career i've been particularly brilliant in managing or working with my my ta and, and the uh, tas i should say because i'm at secondary level in primary <laughs> as we as we say we they, they might have one ta uh, who works mm. with them most of the time, whereas in secondary, you know, you, you're going from class to class. So you might, if you're lucky enough to have uh, a TA in, in some lessons, then, then you may have that. But one thing that I've, you know, I'm very guilty of is is maybe not spending enough time considering the role of the TA and what, what I can ask the TA to do. And, and that kind of uh, prep time uh, before a lesson, even in, on just an informal level. One of the reasons for that, of course, is time, uh, you know, but Equally, you know, it, it would be good to really plan uh, with with a TA. And I know some teachers do that fantastically well um, in terms of like, right, okay, here's the resources for the next eight lessons or a few lessons. And this is what we're going to be doing. This is what I want you to do. This is how. Now, what I was going to ask you about today, really, and what I wanted to discuss was kind of the, the, the good practice when it comes to uh, working with a TA and, and, the, and the bad practice. In working with yeah. all the shocker, shocker, shocker practice, um, and also it might be worth uh, looking as well at, at kind of how the TA operates in the classroom in terms of not necessarily reflecting on the teacher and the TA, but when looking at a classroom situation, what, what, what you know, what is, what does it look like when things are going right, and what does it look like yeah. when things aren't particularly great in there in terms of how the TAs operate? Now I'll tell you a horror story, and by the way. Um, this is my career horror story, so it's 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 me really. But um, when I was uh, this would have been my NQT year, right? And uh, uh, just talking about kind of, ma- and th- th- this is why I think the emphasis is on the teacher to like work with the TA and manage the TA. But essentially, um, I remember I had a number of teaching assistants in my lessons and got on got on really well with them, and it was it was fine. But there was one in particular who used to be on her phone under the desk like every lesson (laughs) now i should have like at the time i should have like i could have easily just had had a word after the lesson or something but 
I suppose as an NQT, you're kind of like, I don't know, you know, she'd been in the school already and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I won't. But yeah, she was like texting on a phone under the desk, like most lessons. She was lovely. But my point is, if someone had come into the room, they'd have been like, this ain't great. You know, this ain't great. So I'm going to ask you now, like, what's your, what's your good, good practice in terms of, of, of kind of like managing the TA and, and the way that relationship works and what's the, what's the good and the bad? <laughs> well, I'll start off with my, my, my favorite TA story. I, I was, um, I was doing a, a maternity, no, I was doing a term, a terms cover in a class and I had a similar situation, I guess it wasn't a mobile phone, but I had a couple of TAs in the cupboard having a chat for quite a long time. Um, in my had, you lock them? had you locked them in the cupboard, Nancy? Because you said you had, <laughs> no, you had a just, few TAs in the in... cupboard. <laughs> Yeah, it just went in. That's great management. Way. That's great TA management. Get in the yeah. cupboard, you two, because I've got a lesson to teach. All right, get over there. And I think I think these things, I mean, I know we talk a lot about relationships and education, but they, they do come down to, you know, how well does that adult know you and how well do you know them and how much do you trust each other? Um, because... Uh, that's I guess that's that's the that's the thing that I think is difficult for teachers that you know this is another adult in the classroom and you can't treat another adult the way you do the children because they're not a child you know even if they might be displaying like the TA who is texting in your lesson even if they might be displaying childlike um behavior you can't treat an adult as if they're a child they get very cross and they get you know yeah. that's not the way to get a good yeah, absolutely. working relationship with them and i um, think that's a mistake i think that's a genuine mistake that some teachers make yeah i think they, they yeah, i think definitely. they can infantilize and i don't know whether it's because they think oh yeah you know like I, i've got the status of teacher they're teaching assistant and that's as far as i'm going to see it and therefore i'm going to kind of i don't know treat them a, 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 you know speak speak to them like a child in the class you know I don't know I don't I don't I don't know I've just I've I think that we just get used we just get in the flow you know when you're you you kind of live the role of a teacher don't you I mean I'm, I can't yeah. be the only person who's been told by my own family you know we're not your class now <laughs> and like, oh sorry about that <laughs> it's tea time you know so um it's it, you do you get into the flow of things and it can be quite it can be difficult, you know, being being different with people, you know, when you get so used to being a particular way as as a teacher in the classroom, you know, you're in charge of the room, you're run you're running the show, you're on a stage, it's your classroom and and you do you can you, you know, you can get used to used to that or stuck in that stuck in that role. So that can be quite difficult. Um but you know we're we're just, we're all human, and that that's that's you know that's the thing at the end of the lesson. Oh God, sorry about that. You know, I didn't mean to say that. I do apologise. You know, and, and that that's the I think the connection as a human. I think is the most is it's really important. I guess the things when I found it really successful, you know, with the classroom with with TA in my classroom, is is you know listening to them and talking to them when the children are not there mm. or noticing noticing things because there's, there's another thing I'm very fond of thinking to myself in my in my my moments of muttering away about the state of the world is you know education runs on goodwill and that's certainly the case with teaching assistants 
because if there's one group of people who are not paid enough, that's the teaching assistant, mm, in, yeah. in my view. You know, they, they do incredibly subtle work, very challenging, very demanding, particularly in a secondary school. Yeah. You know, I, I manage TAs who are in, they 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 follow the children, the TAs in the eyeline manage. And, you know, you, you're asking a lot of, of someone, you know, to go into all of those GCSE lessons, you know, year 11, year 13, year 12, you know, all of those lessons up into that level and assist the learning that's happening there, you know, as well as managing behaviour, as well as managing anxiety to the young people, as well as managing relationships with with families and the relationship with your line manager, you know, and and the relationship with teachers. This is this is a really subtle and challenging role. And and I think, you know, if we want it to work well, we have to pay TAs properly. And, you know, that that's a that's something for for national, you know, that's something for the Department of Education or, you know, the Treasury, you know, but we, we have to do that. But also we have to look at the terms and conditions of, of TAs. You know, I, I when I was I did the Senko qualification um, six six years ago, six or seven years ago now. And one of the things I read was Rob Webster's uh, research into the deployment of teaching assistants and just looking at how people's contracts are set up. You know, that's really important. What time are we expecting teaching assistants to arrive in the morning? You know, if they have to arrive at nine o'clock and stay until three, what time have they got to talk to the teacher, you know, about what they want them to do tomorrow? or just in advance of the lesson, they haven't got any. You're expecting people to work for free. You know, I think that that's that's not really how you treat your workforce as far as I'm concerned. I, I, I like that quote. I might tweak that quote. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. But if we want uh, to, if we want teaching assistants to work well, we have to pay them properly. Is that yeah, the quote? We do. Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, yeah, I agree yeah. with that. And Kyle's yeah. texted in and said he, he couldn't agree more. <laughs> So that's yeah. a ringing endorsement from Kyle Gray in there. Um, but yeah, I, I have to say I, I completely agree with that. And I suppose the problem you've got is, uh, is if you paid them more, does that mean we have less TAs? Do you know what I mean? If, we, yeah. if, 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 if there is a budget restriction or whatever, um, is it better to... <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say, but is it better to have uh, more TAs who aren't paid well enough or one TA who's paid well but can't get round to many classrooms? I think it depends on the role that you're asking a TA to do. So in my work at the moment, um, we support young people with physical disabilities. Now, there are young people who just cannot manage without a physical assistant. That's just the way of it. You need someone to help you to take a computer to your lessons. You need someone to put razors underneath the table because you can't get your wheelchair underneath the table. You need you need a person to oh pass you a pencil or scribe for you or do any do any of those physical things, let alone the personal care, you know, open up your lunch. You know, with with girls, you know, quite considerable assistance with going to the toilet. You know, there's a lot of that side of things that the teaching assistant in the physical disability world will be doing. And you cannot do that without there being a high level of people. 
But I think it's absolutely right that we look at how we deploy the teaching assistants because of this, because of the, I did, I just think this research was, it was so powerful. I mean, it was, it was really powerful for me because I, having a son with, with quite significant disabilities, you know, he spent his entire primary school years attached to a TA. And as, as the years went on, I saw him making less and less progress and, when I read the research, you know, there is, a, I mean, I hesitate, hesitate to say, you know, there's a direct link, but there is research that points to a, towards the more help a student has in school, the less progress they make. And, you know, we, we can see that when, when you, you know, when... When you when you when you consider the whole sort of learned helplessness, what we know about children learning to be helpless, what I didn't want for my son was that he would learn that he could only ever do something, anything, if he had an adult with him. And I think that's a really unhealthy lesson to learn, and it's mm. not one that anybody actively tried to teach him, but it can happen. You know, if we over-support young people, then we can teach them that they can't brush their hair or they can't mm. do their tie. They can't walk from the car park to the classroom without an adult supervising their every move. And I think that's a really unhealthy thing for young people to, to start to believe about themselves. But on the other hand, I also think that actually there are those young people who need, like people like young physical dis physically disabled children I've just described, who need somebody with them. So we've got to be really careful in how we interpret the teaching assistant role so that we give young people every opportunity to discover those things that they can do and they can do on their own and they can feel proud of doing on their own, no matter what, how small that might look to us as a typical able-bodied person. Yeah. You know, we, we really do need to be looking for those opportunities. And one of those opportunities I firmly believe is that ability for the teacher to get past the teaching assistant and get to that young person and teach them directly. Because I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that teachers can make, which is, you know, the does he take sugar kind of attitude, which is I'm talking to the teaching assistant, mm. I'm not talking to the child. And that can happen. I mean, I, that, I saw that happen with my own child and it was heartbreaking. But um, so I'm really determined in my professional work that that does not happen. And for a teacher, why do you think why do you think that does happen? I mean, what 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 is that that kind of gatekeeper effect? I guess is that is that something the TA does, or is that some is that is that the environment the TA creates, or is that the teacher, no. or is that the what what is I mean, that? It's a whole range of things. I mean, sometimes it's just easier and quicker to talk to an adult. Yeah. Sometimes it's it's just you know you've got a message to pass on, so you pass it on as quickly as you can. You, yeah. You, as a teacher, you're you're balancing. I mean, in primary, you could have 35 children. You know, sometimes you've got to get messages across really quickly. Um, so there could be that. I think I think when we're talking about, you know, included children like my own son in, in, a, in a primary school or in a secondary school, so someone who's markedly disabled or markedly different and intellectually so as well, you know, teachers are just humans. They might not have come across this before and they don't quite know how to 
how to talk to that person, especially if you're in a secondary school and you only teach that person once every two weeks. You know, this is this is a this is a thing that as primary school teachers we never have to deal with because you know you're in it, you're with them, you're there all the time, every day, all day. You get to know those children much, much more quickly than you do in a secondary school where you're teaching, I don't know, it could be computer studies once every two weeks for an hour. You know, yeah. that's gonna take you a long time to get to know those children. Yeah. So And that's you that's that's part of the problem I was talking about earlier mm. for me, is it's just the amount of time you spend with them. You don't yeah. really get to know them in the way that a primary yeah. you know someone with the primary ta you know spend 90 percent of yeah. the time with them or something yeah. yeah yeah and that's where in a secondary school those those um pathways for communication are really important and that's that's what mm. i mean my tas they email teachers like you know <laughs> sometimes i curse email but actually in a busy secondary school and you're a teaching mm. assistant and you've got to get some resources you've got to get that powerpoint onto that laptop for that student because they're visually impaired yeah. You know, then email is yeah. your friend. You know, you don't necessarily have time to run around the school um, and talk to five different teachers after school. You don't necessarily have that time. So, you know, th- those those pathways of communication are really important. But you know, I'm all I'm all in favour of those those soft soft skills of just a quick chat or a smile or you know, and and really seeing. And understand both parties really understanding their role as professionals. So, you know, you are allying yourself with that adult as a fellow professional. That I think is really important. And that needs to come both ways. So understanding your role and understanding your both your roles and responsibilities and how they complement each other, I think is is really is really key in that and of course that's really difficult because there is quite a high turn there can be quite high turnover with mm. teaching assistants so yeah. you're constantly as a line manager you you i'm constantly thinking oh gosh you know we only did that last year but we've got to do it again because we've got different people sitting in the role now so that that's another thing so there's a whole load of different people who who contribute to the successful working of a teaching assistant and you know, again, it depends on the structure within which they're working as well. Mine's very distinct. It's a resource base within a secondary school. So it's, um, so in, in my role, I, I line manage, I suppose I'm a bit like a Senko in that I, I line manage a whole load of TAs. So, you know, if if there was a young teacher like, like you were, who had a problem with one of my TAs who was texting a lesson or, you know, looking on Amazon or something, mm. then they need to come talk to me about it because I'm the line manager. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully that would help them out in, you know, sorting out those sorts of those sorts of issues. I mean, that's the thing, though. Do you think that in secondary... Um, by the way, we're going to go to the news in, in a minute. Mm. It's what we do, Nancy, on Teachers Talk Radio. We just <laughs> cut guests off and go to the news instead. But yeah, um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I mean, do you think that in secondary in particular... Uh, I mean, we could even say primary too. I don't know is the honest answer in primary. But in secondary, do you think that people know who the line managers of the TAs are? I mean, is that part of the problem? I mean, is it, you know, do we do people know that you're their that you're their line manager and to go to you? Well, 
yeah, they do my well. They do. I, I can only talk about the, the one secondary school I currently work in. So yeah. I hope I hope they certainly do that. They know that I'm the line manager. I run the base. I I manage those TAs. So I'd, I would hope that they do know that if they've got a problem, then they need to come talk to me or my my teaching colleagues, and we can sort it out. Of course, nobody yeah. wants to get anybody into trouble either. No, no, obviously. <laughs> God, that, no, God no. Me. No, absolutely not. Um, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the Education Endowment Foundation's 2018 report, which looked at um, specifically making the best use of teaching assistance in primary and secondary contexts. So when we come back, we're going to go through their seven uh, things that they suggest uh, that we can do. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, Nancy, on each of those seven things and how, how you think they can be applied or, or and so on. So... Uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes, so just stay exactly where you are, Nancy, and, uh, and uh, we'll be back imminently. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This is your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Department for Education has released statistics showing that for 2019 to 2020, around 40% of 19-year-olds did not achieve a Level 3 qualification, either an advanced apprenticeship a BTEC or an A-level. These figures illustrate that progress has stalled since 2013. This is happening at the same time as sectors with some of the highest job vacancies are experiencing some of the biggest drop-offs in participation in education training. Labour's Shadow Education Secretary, Kate Green, reacted to the figures by stating, families are feeling the brunt of the Conservatives' failure to deliver the skills and training opportunities our country needs, with shelves left empty, petrol pumps running dry and the risk of Christmas chaos. Under the Conservatives, skills and vocational training have been overlooked and undervalued. Ministers must get serious and start matching rhetoric with reality. A Department for Education spokesperson said, we have put skills at the heart of our plans, making sure everyone has the opportunity to get the training and qualifications they need to get a good job. To support young people, we increased 16 to 19 funding for 2021 to 2022 by £291 million, in addition to the £400 million awarded in the 2019 Spending Review. In 2020 to 2021, the funding available for employers to invest in apprenticeships remains at around £2.5 billion, double that spent in 2010 to 2011 in cash terms. The Sutton Trust has released the results of new research which suggests significant gaps in progression and earnings following post-16 education. The report suggests that those who attend a sixth form institution 
were less likely to progress to higher education than those with similar disadvantages who attend a further education college. It also states that disadvantaged students are less likely to progress to higher education than their advantaged classmates, regardless of setting. The report also states that by 28, the earnings gap between further education students and their sixth form counterparts was 15% compared to 11% and calls for the reversal of underfunding for post-16 education and the extension of the National Tutoring Programme to post-16. The founder and chair of the Sutton Trust and chair of the Education Endowment Foundation, Sir Peter Lampe, said that disadvantage continues after the age of 16. Further education colleges play a vital role in providing a bridge between school and university or the workplace. It is crucial that colleges are well funded so they can give the best support they can, particularly in the wake of the pandemic. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE-validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Hello everyone and welcome to the History Hotline, the hottest line for all things black history and beyond. I'm your host, Diana Lynn Cook, making space for honest conversations about black British, Caribbean and African history. Here to teach you all the things left out of your school books. Make sure you subscribe to the History Hotline on all good podcast platforms. Follow us on social media at the History Hotline on Instagram and at the History HL on Twitter to find out about new upcoming episodes. Do you struggle with people pleasing? Is it a constant battle managing different and difficult personalities? Why not inspire, challenge and empower your team through the Mal CPD Essential Coaching Skills for School Leaders course or gain practical skills to become a strong and compassionate leader through the assertive leadership and the emotionally intelligent leader courses. All Mal CPD courses are accredited by the Institute of Leadership and Management. Find out more at www.malcpd.com. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning to everybody who has just joined the studio to listen to us live this morning on Teachers Talk Radio. We are discussing teaching assistants and all things management of teaching assistants. Good morning, Ashish. Good morning, Tom HB. And good morning, Kyle. And good morning, everybody who is listening this morning on Teachers Talk Radio. We are live. Live from Liverpool, this is The Morning Break with Tom Rogers on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live on the Podbean app or desktop player. Just head over to www.podbean.com slash lsw slash TT Radio or search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. 
Nancy, uh, I, I thought I'd ask you next, before we move on to this education endowment report on teaching assistants, I thought I would, I thought I would ask you about this whole thing about uh, the, the, there's been something on Twitter this morning about it, about the apprenticeships for TAs. Um, now, um, this bit, I've, I've seen a couple of tweets, actually. I've seen one tweet saying it's shocking that the, uh, that the pay is £4.50 an hour, but I've seen other tweets too that have said that actually um, this is good because it then leads to a, a, an actual career in, in being a teacher, teacher assistant or even a teacher. It, it kind of it builds someone up. It gives them that opportunity in college because obviously this apprenticeship is presumably aimed at people who are kind of in the 16 to 19 bracket. Um, so, I mean, what do you, I just wondered what your thoughts on that were, whether you thought that's something you've, have you experienced anybody coming in maybe under the age of 19 that you've managed or or you know is that something you're you're a fan of or not um i saw that very briefly this morning um and i haven't really formed a view (laughs) yeah to be honest i think i i do think it would be very difficult for a school leaver to be a teaching assistant in a secondary school um i I do think that Mm. i think it would be very very difficult to um to to work um as a professional from a school can you imagine us having to work in a school you just left i mean that would be that would be really really weird but i i guess i can't see so much of a difficulty if you're working with younger yeah um, primary younger children mm. in, in primary i've worked that's where i've worked with the youngest um, teaching assistants that I've worked with would be people in the primary school. Um, yeah. In yeah. a secondary school, they they have tended to be older, and I I guess I don't know. We do need to pay respect, I suppose, to the social situations we're putting we're putting people in. You'd need to be very careful where you directed a young teaching assistant to go and what you were asking them to do, but certainly. I would, I guess, I'm not alone in saying recruitment is extremely difficult this year. Yeah. And my my base, we've still got vacancies and very few people actually applying. Um, and reading sort of the education news, think teaching is similar. And you know, we we do need to look at ways that we can encourage people into into the teaching profession, into education. I mean, that's that's one of the things I've been really keen to do in my base. Because we, we are a specialist resource based in a mainstream school. Um, we've had a number of young people coming through our coming through the base. They don't stay very long, but they're they they're, 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 most of them are wanting a career in educational psychology. And, you know, it's a great way, you know, to learn about about young people to, mm. and to have experience with young people who are who are coming into con- close contact with CAMS. Um in, in my resource space and so I consider that part of our role as well yeah. as professionals is to to help to bring forwards you know education professionals of the future so it's not all it's not all one way at all it's it's it is about having seeing yourself in that that training role um, yeah four pound thirty is though <laughs> that's that's that just doesn't seem very much to me <laughs> but yeah um, yeah yeah. It's an interesting one. I guess it depends on how on how it's how it's constructed, whether that's yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's partly it's going to be partly training, isn't it? I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, and the last thing you want to see is you know teaching assistants are already in a position where they can be very very easily exploited. Yeah, and you would not, I would not want anybody, particularly a young person, put in that position. Yeah, I get. That. I guess totally, there's a word totally. of caution there, I suppose. Totally get that. Let's move on to this report, uh, which is the Education Endowment Report, making the best use of teaching assistance from 2018. And their first thing that they say is, TA should not be used as an informal teaching resource for low attaining pupils. And they say, the evidence on TA deployment suggests schools have drifted into a situation in which teaching assistants are often used as an informal instructional resource for pupils in most need. This has the effect of separating pupils from the classroom, their teacher and their peers. So I was going to ask you, is this something you've experienced? And if you are a SENCO or somebody managing TAs in a school, um, how do you avoid this from happening? Or do, do you think it is happening and how do you avoid it? I think it definitely does happen. Um, yeah. Certainly in the primary schools I worked in. Can you describe what that would look like? <clears throat> like what, what, what would that actually look like in practice? So you, you see, you've got an English lesson. Um, yeah. You have the teacher with the with the majority of the class, and then you have Mrs. McGinn's out in the corridor with a group of children who are just not getting it. Um, you could do that with English or maths, I guess, or any, any subject. And if you are out in the corridor quite a lot, so I was as a as a as a SEN teacher, I was out in the, I was out in those spaces with the teaching assistants a lot. And you see they're the same children all the time. And you're thinking, blimey, how much time has that child actually spent in the classroom with their teacher? And it can add up to not a great deal because especially if the school has invested, as, as my school did in a, in a SEM teacher as well, you know, they've also got a time when they come and be with Mrs. Gedge and come mm. and do whatever it is they're doing. Well, that could be during a lesson where they could actually be really good. So I, I taught several very bouncy children who were extremely good at PE and really, really quick little runners. And it's like, why are you coming to me in PE? You know, you need to be doing the things that you're mm. actually good at because your class don't know you very well and they want to be able to look up to you. So yeah. if I ever found myself doing assembly, you know, I'd big them up and say, you know, well, this little lad's really, really good at art. Have you seen his drawings? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we have. Yes, very good. And you could, you know, you could see them suddenly sit up straighter. Go, oh, yes, I am good at something, aren't I? Because, you know, you can so easily learn those lessons that you're just rubbish at everything mm. and you can't do it. And then you're never with the teacher and you're, you're just some sort of different kind of creature. And I do think, you know, there is, it, it, the trouble is with teaching and trouble is with working in a school is it's, I've kind of come to think of it, it's, it's live all the time. You are, from the moment those children arrive to the moment they go, you are on it. You're on stage. You are, you are doing it. There is no off button. There is no pause button. And what we really need, I think, if you're ever going to change what you do, is time to reflect. Not time like I am at the moment in half term to just sort of lie on the sofa and feel like, Bleh. but you actually mm. need time to reflect professionally and say and think about things like, well, do you know, maybe I as a class teacher, I will take that group. And this is something that mm. I, 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 you often learn this, I think, when your TA is away. And this happened to me, it was 
in the 2000, it was, must have been in 2000, and there was additional literacy support. Now, this came into my classroom, and off I went on the course and, you know, learned all about moving cards around, doing phon- teaching phonics when I was in a junior classroom. And my teaching assistant, who was new, she was away. And this, the other aspect of teaching is it's like this hamster hamster wheel. Once you've set it in motion, it's got to keep going. So I thought, well, oh, goodness me. Well, the rest of the class, they can get on with this. The, you know, they know what they're doing. But this little group, they don't know what they're doing. The very adult directed this activity. I will do it. And so mm. I realised very quickly, oh, my goodness, didn't they make a great deal of progress in a very short time? And I do think that is perhaps one of the mistakes we can make when we're evaluating intervention materials. You, the, the teacher can do this intervention with the children. Could be spelling, could be could be reading, could be maths, could be anything. They do this intervention, and the children make a huge amount of progress in a very short time. Great, everybody says. Let's use this intervention, and we'll get a TA to run it without taking into account the person who is running it. The person who has looked into it, they fully understand it. They've had time to really think about it. They've had time to plan. And of course, they are those children's teacher. And that Mm. really, really matters that it is their teacher who's doing that. So I would say, you know, one of the things you can do in thinking about it from a management perspective, talking to your teacher, you're a Sanko, talking to your teachers, flip it. Flip it every so often. You go and be with those little ones who are not getting it. You go and see, because if you never see and you're never in there doing it, how can you, you know, very, very, very general level, how can you ever report to their parents what they actually know? Because mm. you don't know. Because they've been out in the morning, they've been out for English, they've been out for maths. Yeah. And they went out and did such and such in the afternoon. How much time did they actually spend with you? Yeah. You really thinking about what they what they know and how they learn. So so that's what I would I would always encourage teachers to spend time with your with your children who have special educational needs or your children who are not not getting it because you cannot underestimate the influence that has whether it's their influence on their learning or their influence on you as a professional as you get to know them better. You know, I, I see these wonderful things happening in the school where I work now where I'm accompanying some quite individual characters into, into lessons and seeing how I can help encourage those teachers to really interact with that student that may, may be worried about having them in their class. And it's so wonderful to see that teacher rise their self is their self-esteem or their self-belief their professional confidence rising mm. when you as another adult are able to help them in their relationship with with this child and that's just wonderful to see and that that i guess that's what i would see you know the real value in teaching in a teaching assistant there's someone who knows this young person really well and they can help that young person to make a relationship with the teacher and that yeah. seems to me, that's wonderful. But you are asking a TA really to put their ego to one side. And that's, that can be really difficult when you've been a major part of that young person's success mm. to get into that classroom. Mm. You know, to yeah. then actually step back and let someone else do it, that's quite hard. That's quite yeah. a difficult thing to do. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're not going to have time to go through all of these no, no. individually, but I'll pick, <laughs> I'll pick ones that I think are most interesting. So the third one is 
use TAs to help pupils develop independent learning skills and manage their own learning. And one of the comments they make in the report is, TAs should aim to give pupils the least amount of help first. They should allow sufficient wait time so pupils can respond to a question or attempt the stage of a task independently. TAs should intervene appropriately when pupils demonstrate they are unable to proceed. So I suppose that ties in a little bit with what you were saying earlier on about um, this kind of, should, would spoon feeding be the right phrase? I don't know. Yeah, but definitely. Th th that kind of spoon feeding and do doing everything for the child uh, kind of yeah. thing. So what, 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 what's the solution to this one, apart from I awareness think, of I, it? I think that has to come from the teacher. And the teacher being really clear with the TA that it is not about completing the task, whatever that task is, mm. whether it's doing a drawing or cutting something out, or filling in the missing the blanks, actually the important thing is not task completion. The important thing is the thinking. So for some young people, okay, so I use for example physical disability. For some young people with a physical disability, actually completing a physical task, such as in design technology or in art or something, or or, or anything where you've got to cut anything out or do anything physical then actually that is the part of the task that is, is not the most important thing. The important thing is how that child has thought about it. Has that child had independent thought? Has that child directed the adult in what they actually want them to do? Or has the adult just sat, sat there and cut everything out for them? You mm -hmm. know, because this is, what, this is what Mrs. Brown has said, who's the teacher, you know. And it's that teacher then needs, to, it, again, it comes back to the teacher being in charge of what of all of the children in the class and of what they and well think hoping that they're in charge of what they're learning you know that and they communicate that to the ta because the ta is probably feeling under all that pressure you know we, we say to the class come on let's get this finished we've got to get it finished by break time got to get everything cleared away you know keep them going keep them going and that ta feels that pressure as well so it's having that it's bearing that in mind so that you're always able you're able to pop over to the TA maybe in a less in the middle of the lesson and say mm. don't worry about that bit this bit's the most important thing or you've done it in an email and made that really clear to the TA this is what the learning objective actually is you know this is the most important thing that I want that child to learn yeah. but you see that then requires the teacher to have some deeper knowledge of that young person and some knowledge of their learning and what they're doing. So, you know, I, I would I'd highly recommend in, in classrooms where the children are that I've, I'm supporting is, you know, get round, do that, you know, we're calling it life marking these days, but mm. get round, talk to them, check on them in the lesson, check on them while they're there, check on what they're learning, check on them, don't check with a TA, check with them what they're doing and get those children partnered up with other children. So I think that's really, really important. You know, it's so easy, isn't it? If you've got an adult in the room and you've got... I'm guilty of it, Nancy. Oh, honestly, really... I promise you, I, I'm thinking right now in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my head, in the last half term, right, about yeah. times I've gone to the TA rather than the student. Honestly, I've been guilty yeah. of it. 
million times. Well, it's only human, you know. It's and sometimes you do need those professional conversations. You know, you you do you do need to have those. You know, you need several kinds of conversations in the classroom mm. at any one time. But actually, those those sorts of stuff. I've been really thinking. You know, teaching's so busy. You know, I was thinking what two things or what one thing would make all the difference. I do think you know live marking checking on what they're doing during the lesson is is really key and you know you know, making sure they've got a partner you know partner talk is really really important i think yeah. i've seen that as a primary practitioner coming practitioner primary teacher coming into a secondary school you know seeing which bits of primary practice will transfer and which bits won't and partner talk is definitely something that is really useful. You know, talk to your partner about that for a minute. You know, actually, where do they get ideas from? You get ideas from talking to people, you mm-hmm. know. So it's difficult in COVID times to do understand that. But, but you know, yeah. actually, those, those, two, those two things. And, yeah, just making sure that that, that that young person who's with a disability is not always partnered with the adult, I think, is really mm-hmm. also really important. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the points they make here is I know we mentioned about these kind of like interventions that happen outside the classroom. And I know, you know, you're not saying they shouldn't happen. You're just saying Mm. that they shouldn't happen all the time. Right. Mm. Um, And it says here, adopt this is number six, adopt evidence based interventions to support teaching assistants in their small group and one to one instruction. And interestingly, Mm. the points they say are sessions should be brief, 20 to 50 minutes. They should occur regularly three to five times a week and are maintained over a sustained period of eight to 20 weeks. TAs receive extensive training from experienced trainers or teachers. The intervention has structured supporting resources and lesson plans with clear objectives. TAs closely follow the plan and structure of the intervention. Assessments are used to identify uh, appropriate pupils, guide areas for focus and track pupil progress. Effective interventions ensure the right support is being provided to the right child. Connections are made between the out-of-class learning in the intervention and classroom teaching. So that's what they say should, Mm -hmm. that's how they say these out-of-class or small group interventions should be structured. I mean, are you you saying you you would prefer it if these didn't happen? Or are you saying that you think they have their place? No, they definitely have their place. But I do think you've got to look at them with a certain amount of realism. I love that comment at the end, you know, you've got to be able to draw, you've got to be able to draw connections with the learning in the classroom while you're out of the classroom. Well, I'm not entirely sure how mm. a teaching assistant is supposed to do that if they're always running an intervention and they're never well, in the classroom. <laughs> they that are is magical, a very fair you know? point. <laughs> teaching assistants are these amazing people who can magically somehow be in two places at the same time. Wow. <laughs> Who'd have thought? So I mean, I think, think I think if, if from from my perspective, if if a stu- any student, regardless of who they are, is going to go out of my lesson, I want to know that when they come back into that lesson, they won't be disadvantaged in any way. They'll, they they will be advantaged you, and, and yeah. not disadvantaged. And, and unfortunately, yeah. Well, that's what I was about to come on to. I would say, unfortunately, unless I'm in that intervention myself yeah and i can input into it how i'm uncertain really over the years whether those kind of things have actually been certainly I, they may have been beneficial to the child 
I mean, I'm not saying they weren't beneficial to the child because who knows. But for me as a teacher, if somebody is taken out of a class halfway through after the first five minutes and then they come back in in the last 10 or they're taken out for a full lesson and they miss that lesson, then they come in the next one or the next two. And then suddenly they say, oh, I missed that lesson. You know, that to me can create a problem. Yeah, and there's, I don't think there's any way to square that circle. Yeah. I mean, you know, having kids come in halfway through your lesson, bless them, they're, they're like, yeah, exactly. oh, what's, what's going on, sir? And yeah. you're like, oh, God, God, I was in the middle of something now, I've lost a train of thought, you know, and it, it is really difficult. And then, of course, there's the, the whole thing about having to leave a lesson halfway through. I mean, my daughter won't even leave a lesson to go to her music lessons. You know, she, she just she cringes at the whole thought of having to say to the teacher, sorry, I've got to go, I've got to go for my music lesson. Well, how much worse is it if, you know, we talk about in the world of special needs, we talk about stigma, you know, they, I just used to really feel for them when I would turn up halfway through their lesson, knock on the door and say, I want to see so-and-so for, you know, they're coming to work with me. Everybody knew I, what I was, everybody knew what my job was, all the children knew, and you're expecting that child to get up in the middle of a lesson they might have been enjoying, you know, and then come out and do something that was really hard and everybody knew that. So, you know, in many ways, I just think there are it, there, there are some obstacles that are really, really difficult to get over. If you can, great, but do recognise that there are and have a bit of, I suppose, a bit of empathy for those young people. It's, it's, it's really difficult. I think, I think there are some interventions that have real value, um, but what you need, what you, you know, we've got to get kids reading. We really, really do, and getting those num and learning those early number skills, you know, that's really, really important because so much of what else comes is based on that. Of course, it is. That's really important. But I guess what we need to be aware of is children who are constantly in intervention. So the whole idea of intervention is that it's a shorter term, shorter term thing, such as teaching someone to, to read. They, they've struggled with phonics. Okay, let's go back to the beginning. Let's start this again. We're going to do this for however many weeks the intervention says we're going to do it. And then at the end, we're going to say, right, you can now do it. And that's the ideal. But what we must be aware of is children who are consistently not getting it and they are consistently in intervention from year one all the way to year six and then that's going to carry on up into the secondary years so that's that's the to me that's the little group of young people who we need to look at really carefully and think what is going on now it could be that your intervention isn't right it could be that the child themselves has a serious a serious issue with this thing that you're trying to teach them. It could be that your teaching assistant is not sticking to the plan or doesn't really understand how to do it themselves. So there's a whole load of different things. And unless you as the line manager are there, so it might be the Senko, it might be the class teacher, you know, whoever's the line manager. And unless the line manager is going along and joining, I'm not saying observing, but going along and joining in, how do you know? How, how do you actually know what is the barrier there for that young person? Because once you know what the barrier is, then you can hopefully try and do something about it. Or, you know, if you've got a young person who's really not going to get this key skill, 
what other things can we do? What strategies can we put into place mm-hmm. to help? So thinking about my, my experience in autism, you know, okay, let's take a screenshot of that of that PowerPoint. Let's get that PowerPoint printed out for you. Let's let's get all these things organized for you in advance. We've got some strategies here. You've got some other workarounds to help you if you know we know we've got a big barrier here, but and we're not going to sort it with a with a short intervention. Okay, what other strategies can we put into place? Yeah. I think in some ways I think it's it could be easier in a secondary school because the secondary school is much more dominated by the timetable than than a primary school. You know, in, in my base, you know, we've got a number of children who, who need certain therapies. It might be speech and language therapy. It might be communication. It might be physiotherapy. It might be occupational therapy. It, 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 any number of things. So what we tend to do is we, we work a reduced timetable for that young person. So it might be that we look at the timetable. We, we What we tend to do is, is give them a chance to go through the timetable and find out the things that they really like and they're really good at because we don't want to say before they come, right, you're not doing French. Well, they might be good at French. So we give them a chance to have a go at doing everything. And then we work with their parents and the teachers and say, right, we need to do this intervention. It's good for their health. It's going to make sure, it's going to make sure they have a better, a better life. They need to do it. So when are we going to do that? And we will look, and if, if it is a lesson like, I don't know, computer science or French or drama or music or, or something, we don't let them come out of English and maths. Um, then we come out of that block of lessons and that's where you do that therapy. That's where you do that intervention. And in some ways it's easier in a secondary school because you've got that regular timetable. Whereas in a primary school, you know, it's much more fluid. You've got English and maths in the morning and then you've got various, various, the rest of the, the rest of the curriculum in the afternoon. So, you know, it's, it's much, does that, am I making sense there? No, absolutely, 100%. 100%. So rather than being bitty and coming out of half a lesson here, half a lesson there, actually be more intentional about it and say, right, they're going to come out of these lessons. The teacher knows that. Everybody knows that. Parents know that. We use the assess, plan, do, review cycle. We've found the place that's going to work best for them. And then we're going to do this therapy here. It's much easier for me, I suppose, in terms of talking about it, in terms of a therapy, physiotherapy, you know, this is it's a really important thing for a young person with a physical disability. We need to find a place to do it. And I guess we could we could make the same case for reading. You know, they come to school, the secondary school, they ship up as a research a resource space like mine, and they still haven't got reading. Well, you know, if we do a reading intervention, you know, we could do that. But I guess that's that's the flexibility we have as a specialist resource space in a mainstream school. It's much more much more difficult, I think, if we're talking we're not in the realms of EHCPs, if we're actually in the realm of SEN support, it's I think it's more difficult there. Yeah, spot on. Nancy, it's been an absolute pleasure. We're out of time, unfortunately. So, um, Sorry. It, it's been, no, no, no. God, no. You've dropped like I could go the on gems. For hours. <laughs> You've dropped so many gems. It's, it's been absolutely amazing. I'll have to have you back on again. Anytime we're talking about um, TA management, I'm going to bring you back. So, um, thanks ever so much for giving up the time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. And um, I will, uh, yeah, well, I'll check in again. 
Yeah, see you in the Twitter. <laughs> yeah, see you in the Twitter sphere. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> okay, that was the amazing Nancy Gedge. Uh, thank you to Constance, who was texting all the way from Ghana. Uh, hashtag TT Radio. Good morning, Constance. And thank you. Thank you, TSCW. Always listening along. Thank you very much. Um, and thank you to everybody. Tim Kem Commando. Everybody who has liked the show this morning. Everybody who is engaged with the show this morning. Uh, this has been teachers talk radio uh technically the morning break but kind of the breakfast show and you've got loads of shows coming up tonight actually on teachers talk radio this isn't the end of it uh you've got the drive home with Jimma, 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 Jimma. that's not her name Gemma for 4 p.m today uh you've then got the late show and the late late show with rich ridley at 10 p.m and he's talking about the day of the dead uh so that'll be an interesting one all the way from mexico city uh, tonight at 10 p.m. BST. So don't miss that one tonight at 10. Uh, and yeah, God, we've just got tons and tons of shows coming up over the over the next few weeks. Lucy's on again at, uh, tonight at six as well with the Twilight Show, uh, talking about sex education in primary school. So that could be an interesting one. Uh, so definitely something to to tune into later and look forward to. Uh, I hope you're all enjoying your half term. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week, next Thursday, normal time, 9 a.m. Uh, after the half term. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.